ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. All right, folks, welcome back. Part B of episode 130. Paul's still with us. Hi, Paul. Thank you for staying. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm happy. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I did get a comment that someone said they wanted to try Manjaro on their framework. I run Manjaro on my framework, and I love it. You've got a framework? Just throwing that out That's there. That's awesome. I That's do. Awesome. I have the, the 12th, gen, 12th gen framework, man. I, it's it's my, uh, other than we could, so my desktop, I don't want to comment to your segment, but like <laughs> as a Linux user, I'm obligated to talk about Linux and, and my technology. Especially if you're so running I've got a, Yes. So <laughs> I've got Manjaro running on my desktop, and my desktop is uh, an AMD Threadripper. 24 cores with 256 gigs of RAM, which basically lets me run Chrome. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have a framework left, which is a 12th gen. It's like a 14 core. There's like six, uh, six uh, or eight performance cores and six um, not performance cores. Intel did that split Mm -hmm. uh, of cores. And um, it's it's awesome, and they both run Manjaro uh, as well as my older MSI laptop. I say older; it's still an i7 with 32 gigs of RAM that my friend Tyler recommended uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and the, all three of those run Manjaro, and uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy. I mean the the 24 core Threadripper, it, it's it's not even it's it's a desktop, but like I can I haven't even pushed it to its limits. Like I can run as many VMs as I want. And it, it doesn't complain. And I can run Chrome. Well, that's good. And I can run, like, a lot of people with Riverside, I've noticed, um, th- it'll max out some of the cores. And, like, I don't have that constraint. So Yeah, Riverside and is, I think, like, is a little bit of a, of a hog. And bang for, the, bang for the buck, man, in terms of, like, PC tech, Threadripper is, is pretty Red good. Threadripper. It's, it's, and such like, a great name, right? Right? <laughs> It's a lot of cores, and it oh. supports. It crosses that threshold from 128 to 256 gigs of RAM, which is a big threshold. I mean yeah. that that's the threshold of threshold. I can run as many VMs as I want without right. worrying. You know, Ricardo's so. in chat on YouTube. He says he's watching on Arch right now. See nice. what I mean? How do you know when someone's Woo-hoo! running Arch? Don't worry, they'll tell you. They'll tell you. It's just <laughs> yeah. like. It's just like vegans. Like it's being just, a vegan. You know, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Or CrossFitters. All right. Vegans, yeah, CrossFitters. CrossFitters, and Linux users. Yes. One of my scout leaders is a vegan and a CrossFitter. And uh, she's you a know good... that because he's told because they've well, told you. She, she. <laughs> she well, she's told you. Yeah. And I've yeah. I've done a terrible scout... job with the notes today. I have to go find our uh, our list of patrons. It's terrible. The scouts do like busting her chops about the vegan stuff, but she's exposed them to some interesting dishes. So, all right. So let's get the announcements and whatnot out of the way, and then we can go right back into rabbit holing into whatever we want to chat about. And of course, now my dogs have decided to go nuts about something. Happens every show. Anyway, all right. So, folks, you may remember that our Patreon funds are going to the American Cancer Society, and I said that was going to happen at the end of this year. So I'm going to wait until the funds from Patreon for December hit. And then I'll have a total, and then I'm going to figure out how to get that to the American Cancer Society. That total is just over $300 right now. It's like 360 I think. Nice. So at the at the end of December, we'll probably, it might crest 400 I don't know. 
Yeah, it depends on what uh, what I get out of Patreon at the end of the year. So um, that is that. I will have an update for that on the January show, the first show in January, which should be you know the second Thursday of of January. Uh, so I want to thank all the patrons that are hanging out and still giving us money, and that money, as I said, is going to go to the American Cancer Society. So name pending one ninety seven, Jeremy, Aranami, Andrew, Tatro, Bruce, Robert. David Solemn, Linux Sys 666, Mark with a K, The Mentor, Mark with a C, Julius, Andy, Jay, and Charles. Thank you all for being patrons. Um, at the basically, once this little campaign for the American Cancer Society is over, then that money will all go right back into taking care of the show. So, the um, booze, if, the hookers, the cow. Yeah, right, right. The beer that we drink. Um, the hosting, whatnot. So uh, if you don't recall, the reason we're doing this for the American Cancer Society is because my mother-in-law passed away from cancer back in July, right? So from July till the end of the year, I said we're going to give that all to the American Cancer Society, and I'm going to make good on that. So that'll be, uh, I'll have, like I said, I'll have a total at the end of January. Um, yeah, otherwise, if you guys want to contribute to the show... Uh, without doing a recurring thing, if you want to buy a shirt or something, you can go do that through Teespring, teespring.com slash store slash Iron Um, yeah, I think that's all I have for announcements. Jason, I don't want to put you on the spot, but shouldn't you have had, like, a conference to announce in November? What happened there? Did, it, did I miss it, or did it not uh, happen we, this year? No, 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 we, we, we scrubbed this year because of COVID and decided that we didn't want to do another yet another virtual conference so mm. um we are we're we're in full mode trying to figure out how to plan for next year to be in person because we're, we're tired awesome. of missing people awesome yeah i um i went to for i for the first time ever i went to reinvent for as a uh, as a vendor forever. and uh, i came home with the flu so went to <laughs> not covid though <laughs> Yeah, 50,000 people at a conference was, uh, I mean, there was no chance of me coming home without catching something. So, anyway, that'll be cool. I'd, I'd be happy to see it back in person. Uh, uh, we, we're desperate to have it back in person, and, and we were hoping to do it this year, but, you know, it's just, just looking at the numbers and, and, you know, we're trying to trying to reduce the risk as much as possible. And by the time, you know, we could have done something, I mean, it's good we didn't because the numbers are up again. Isn't, it is. isn't that going to be true every year, though? <clears throat> yeah, I think I think we're getting better at mitigations, though. So we'll we'll see what happens next year. Um, the the thing, and I I don't want to derail, but although I'm sure we will, but you you may actually have some perspective on this because I know that you're involved in uh, some information that's more health related, right? From some of the other uh, podcasts you listen to, but yeah. I I feel like. Um, there's this point where we have to stop being afraid of COVID, right? There's a point where we just have to live with it, right? Is is that not true? No, I I, I agree, Nate. My my wife works in healthcare, yeah. and a lot of my friends and I scrutinized all the research, like in a very nerdy way. Um, so I kind of have my my thoughts and opinions on that, and so like I I'm was like, I was all for trying to stop spread. At the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's not just like that I'm sick of it. It's that we have vaccinations now. We have treatments now. Uh, a lot of people 
you might even say most of the population at this point have had it and haven't died from it. Yes, we lost a lot of people due to it, but um, over a million. Like, doesn't there have to be a still point, dying? Doesn't there have to be a point where this is just that, part of life now? Yeah, Th- there I, is. I have this. I have this. Like some kind of uh, some people may think it's controversial, right? But <clears throat> based on my research, and my advice is like do your own research, which is hard today. It is, of course, <laughs> right? Do your own research. But my research. And part of my research, not that it's any better than anyone else's research, but part of my questioning was to ask virologists and people that work in infectious diseases. We happen to have a PhD scientist that came on the show like during the pandemic that specialized in virology. And so I incorporated his comments and thoughts on the matter into my opinion the way I, and of course, my wife working in the medical field could ask medical doctors. So I incorporated that feedback as well. And I put it in terms of almost like nerdy engineering computer stuff. <laughs> and what I came down with is like when you get a vaccine, it's akin to uh, many of us are building stuff for Christmas for our kids and whatever. And when you build stuff, you get an instruction manual. And there's two schools of thought with instruction manuals. There's the people that are like, I don't follow the instruction manual, and it takes a lot longer. And there's people that follow the instruction manual, and if you do, it takes a lot less time. Your vaccine gives your body the instruction manual that tells you how to fight the virus. That's that's my school of thought. Like yeah. I in and, and you can just I'm not telling you how to manage your health. You should manage your health because it's you and it's your decision and your health. And I respect that, right? But in my research, that's the conclusion I came to. So I'm like, if a vaccine gives my body the instruction manual, I feel like it gives me an advantage. And that's, you know, again, yep. people are going to do, do what you're going to yeah, do. 100. Don't let me tell you how to how to live your life. That's not that's not no, the no, point. No, no, no. That's my 100%. conclusion. And, and our, 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 our thinking this year was like at the time the new variants had come out, they were pretty aggressive. There were a lot. There was a lot of people getting sick and we didn't want to expose people to that. So. The latest vaccines are really, really good. Um, yeah, but Jason, stopping. what I also found, my wife and I got the latest vaccine for COVID recently, and mm-hmm. it sucked, man. Like it, I was at a point I wanted to dial nine one one. Like my my stomach hurt like really bad. Oh, and from, we think, from the vaccine. Yeah, and we I, think I it's got the from vaccine. The vaccine. And, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's different. My for wife different was people. On, my wife was sitting on the couch the day after the vaccine, which is not like her at all. Um, but you know, then 24 hours later, whatever, we're living our life. Yeah. And, see, and it's I, fine, but. I had, I had a little bit of pain in my arm and that was it. And it was fine. So like, yeah. like and I that's said, good. It, it but depends, like, I don't want to downplay that. Folks. Like if yeah. I don't want to downplay, oh, no, there, no, no, are, no, adverse, yeah, there yeah. are adverse effects yeah. from the vaccine. And I listened to the, all those controversial Rogan episodes, right. That talked about that. I listened to all that. Like I take all that into consideration, right? Like I, I get it. It's. Yeah. It's it's information. Yeah. So, so you take it in, so the, make your own decision. I guess the, the the point is that the latest the latest vaccines were really good, and we're we're kind of feeling better about having it in person next year. And look, it's it's been long enough. We you know we have to kind of take the veil off and just and just go do it. Yeah. Um, personally, I still mask everywhere because my wife is immunocompromised, so yeah, I, I mean, don't take the risk. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not otherwise, gonna, like, I'm not going to slight you guys for being cautious. But it's it's more or less just me. I'm I'm legitimately curious because there's a lot of places that I know of that are still being very strict, and then there's others like like I said, reinvent. 
it was like normal again. Well, Summit, yeah. Summit this year is gonna is supposed to be back to um, like Summit, right? So, yeah, I mean, and, I, and, and, I I went to Kevin Hart and there was you know there was no mask requirement yeah, at it's, all. It's it's much it's much better than what it was, and and we'll see. China right now is in is is getting absolutely crushed. Like the the hospitals are overrun because mm-hmm. they they dropped all of their everything like overnight. But and they it's apparently they running still, like super rampant. They were still extremely strict up until that point, though, weren't they? Yes, they were. They were, and they had they had almost almost no COVID throughout the whole country. Yeah, and like a week later, like most of the country has COVID now. So my mm. my like uneducated uh, non medical viewpoint would be or not I shouldn't say viewpoint um, question I should say would be did it hit them so hard because they kept everything so strict so much longer than the rest of the world did I, I don't I don't I have enough information to, to tell you yeah, yeah it's hard to say but yeah, anyway I don't I don't I know what vaccines look like there and stuff so <laughs> did not mean to derail anyway. us into the COVID podcast but <laughs> you knew you knew what happened though mm-hmm. so so the long story short we're we're, we're planning on having the, the conference next year um there may be other stuff happening as well, so so we'll see what happens. Cool. And so, I'll make the appropriate announcements when I have info. That's cool. That's cool. Because I know um, my kids are dying to get back to it. They always had a great time at B-Sides Delaware. And uh, I want to get back I have a garage. I have a garage full of equipment for the kids to rip apart, so I would like to go back, too. Oh, yeah. B-Sides Delaware, is, but B-Sides Delaware is great. My friend Josh Marpet and um, his wife Janice. Yeah. Are involved with besides Delaware. Yeah. 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 So I talk to, to them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. Good friends of mine. We good met, friends of mine. We yeah. met Josh at DerbyCon. The first was year. It the first DerbyCon or the second one? Yeah. He, he was the voice echoing no. throughout the Hyatt. Yes. Um, we went out yes. to dinner with first him year. and a few other uh, Josh is Josh is famous, and maybe just in my mind, for doing the Hackers for Charity auction. Yes. And yes. I would always yep. hear Josh's voice. Yes. And Josh oh always had very kind words about our podcast. And then Josh and I became friends as he became host on our shows. Yeah. Um, and Josh is still a host today on Paul Security Weekly. Yeah. And, a, a and now, very close and friend now of Paul mine. can't get rid of him. Josh yeah, just keeps coming back. He keeps he's, he's, Josh is amazing. We've, he's great. We've, we've had him on our show once or twice. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's great. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Anyway, we've completely derailed already. I guess we're we're firmly in the chat section now. We didn't have any reviews to report, as usual. So, folks, go review the show if you have not already done so. We'd love to hear from folks. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I did a thing. I'm, I'm on PTO this week and next week because, you know, it's Christmas time. Um, and that's what people do around Christmas time. They take a bunch of time off of work and they be lazy. But I wasn't all that lazy. I took on an IT project. Lazy. <laughs> Remember how I'm slowly but surely de-Googleifying my life, taking away some Google things that oh, I had done. I've heard, I've heard of this Nate. I've heard yeah. of this Nate. I'm 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 right there with you because one of the drivers, I think, for this Nate, and I don't know if you fall in this camp, is horror stories about people's Google accounts being suspended. Like you take a so the use case I heard, and I I can't speak to how true this is, but I I can understand the the logic you take a picture of your kid for a medical appointment Mm 
mm-hmm. or like I take a picture of my kid and I send it to my wife, it gets backed up to Google and yeah. they classify it in such a way that they're like, suspend your entire Google that's, account. That's been so. my concern about cloud syncing yeah. pictures from your phone yeah. since the first Me time too. it started coming out. Like, wait, yeah. I'm going to take a kid of my toddler, I'm going to take a picture of my toddler in the tub or something and all of a sudden I'm going to be classified as a pornographer, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude, that's a legit, I mean, yeah. my... I just went through, so my my son, my son does wrestling, and I say that because I'm super proud of him. Um, he's a freshman. He's wrestling varsity. He's always done wrestling, um, and his his team is his coach is pushing him to to wrestle. And the funny, it was a false positive, right? To bring it back to all what we do every single day in technology, it was a false positive. He had a mole removed from his back, and it was a false positive for ringworm. <laughs> And like I had, I had even forgotten. So I'm treating it like ringworm. I'm like, dude, you need to whatever your coach said. Like, shower for 45 minutes. Yeah, apple cider vinegar. Like, you you gotta you gotta scrub. It's it's basically a, a bacteria slash virus or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, no, dude. She's like that. That's where his mole was removed. She's like, you took him to that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Bad dad. But, but you can Bad see dad. the point where you're but you're taking pictures of your children yeah. and they're getting backed up yeah. to the cloud yep. and those yep. those could be mis- misinterpreted. Yep. Sure. Yep. And we actually have a news article later on today where uh, we're going to talk about something similar. Not quite not about child porn, yeah. but well, about pictures and cloud providers. How anyway. my wife fa- my wife found some old dispo- you know used to have the cameras that were disposable. Uh-huh. So you take pictures and then send the whole camera to get developed. Yeah. She found some on the back porch from years ago. And it turns out that my do- my kids must have grabbed them when they were playing around. And there were some nudes. And, and they were like, when, when like one of them was five and the other was three or whatever. Yeah. And my wife was horrified. She's like, holy fuck. Like the place that developed them. Am I going to be turned in for being yeah, a Mark, pedo? Mark, I was thinking about that the other day. There's a place... Not far from my house, that used to have the photo, the photo mat, the hut. Uh-huh. It was yeah. like a hut in the parking lot. Because well, I, I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day, but there was a hut in the parking lot where you drop off your film. Right. But they would also kind of censor your pictures. Like they I've would say, that. these are these are racy photos. We can't develop them for you. Right. And I was kind of thinking about it, like. The photo mat was the sensor in the same way that Google is the sensor, which Nate, I'm assuming to bring it back to technology is why you're um, considering things like NextCloud. NextCloud is yeah. is a, one of the alternatives. So right? I, I stood up NextCloud a little while ago, um, mm. and that's 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 been great. I actually figured out how to backend it to a, uh, a bucket on DigitalOcean. They call them spaces on yeah. DigitalOcean. Yeah, uh, so I was going to do the same thing with it, Linode. Right? Linode yep. has it in their marketplace yep. as well. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that a while back, and that was actually because Google Photos had done something where they were like, what were they doing? They were like lowering image quality to save money or something. I forget what it was. Something. And I saw th- all my memes like, on, on Google Photos, that and I'm was just like the waiting last, for them to ban it. It was the last <laughs> straw for me because they mm. Google is famous for turning things off, right? And, and yes. I, I, I'm just waiting for things There's a whole site. There's I, a whole site. Right. For yeah. things that I depend on to be turned off. Well, um, Stadia, View, yeah. D- hello, I mean, the list goes up. There's how many of them? There's like over 100. There's my Stadia controller. Yeah. I got my refund. Like a, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, this is my they did, free yeah, they Stadia refund. controller. Right, yeah. But uh, anyway, 
uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was feeling really burnt out as a sysadmin, and I had like a really cool home network set up where I had a Cisco router going through a Linux uh, firewall that would then do like VLANs and all kinds of crazy stuff. And my Wi-Fi was like, I don't even remember how I ran Wi-Fi, but it was something very homebrewed and cooked, right? But it required mm -hmm. maintenance, right? But I enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. But sure. when I was feeling burnt out, I didn't want to come home from work and still do IT stuff. So I had turned off a bunch of that stuff and I went with Google Wi-Fi because it was really easy to manage. Just do it on my phone. It automatically updated from their, you know, their, their update service. Uh, if I was at work and the Wi-Fi went down, I could tell my wife how to reboot it, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, yeah, go unplug it, plug it back in. It'll come back on its own, right? Um, now that I'm not so burnt out anymore, I've decided that the simplicity of the Google Wi-Fi is now a detriment instead of a positive. So I went with Ubiquity. And Paul, I know mm. you love Ubiquity. Um, Jason, I do, yeah. I, I, man I manage Ubiquity at this point. And Mark's like, what's in Ubiquity? <laughs> I, man I manage, yeah. So Larry and I wrote the book on WRT 54G routers. Yeah. Um, it uncovered a lot of limitations in wireless routers in general. And the kind of tail end to that research was we settled on Ubiquity. Mm -hmm. So I managed three sites on Ubiquity. Larry manages multiple sites, including his classes for SANS, using Ubiquity gear. And I think the story is the founder of Ubiquity worked for Cisco and wanted like a more cost-effective way to provide yeah. really good Wi-Fi gear. It's all Linux-based. Now, they've had their security problems. We interviewed a researcher that had uncovered a bunch of vulnerabilities in Ubiquity gear um, and some account stuff uh, as well. But I it, despite that, I like the Ubiquity uh, system. So, Nate, I'm curious to hear your yeah, so uh, kind of experience with this, it. This all came out of um, I was trying to set up an AdGuard home DNS server. Right? Like, that was that's that's what I wanted to do. And the Google Wi-Fi... Was it... Was it Pi-hole that you... No, Ad, AdGuard literally... Was on the AdGuard. Google. Yeah, well, no, the I, Google? I, I wanted to run it on my own machine, right? And I wanted yeah. the Google Wi-Fi to use that DNS server. Mm -hmm. And they don't make that easy. You can, specify, you can specify a name server, but it doesn't give that name server to your clients. It, like, proxies it. So yeah, everything yeah, yeah. has to go through the Google Wi-Fi. So that crippled AdGuard... Uh, because AdGuard has to know where the requests are coming from, so you can say this client can get to these things and this client can get to those things. All it saw was the Google Wi-Fi. Everything was that because it was proxied, right? Mm -hmm. So this th this is what made me initially think, okay, I've outgrown the Google Wi-Fi. Like, I now need to go back the other way. But I don't want to go back to the home-cooked thing that I had before because that was difficult to manage. Even though I'm home now and I... When it needs to be rebooted, I'm here, right? Yeah, even even I've done Pi-hole, and it does require some maintenance, right. like you're saying, Nate. So yeah. with Ubiquity, it felt like this might be a great middle of the road, and I'm sure there's other options out there that do the same thing, uh, but Ubiquity is the one I landed on, right? So I got a I got the Ubiquity Dream Machine Pro, which is basically yeah, a rack-mounted yep. router switch, right? You plug your internet into it, and then you can it'll control APs. It'll even do like home security and stuff. Uh, I think it'll do VoIP. It'll do. It was a third thing it did. Yeah, Tyler Robinson, our team, has the whole. He's all in on Ubiquity with the Dream Machine, the cameras, right. the whole, the whole thing. But yeah. the the cool thing is, you can define networks in there, and this isn't just like 
Kitty Play School networks, these are legit VLANs that you can then hand mm -hmm. off and trunk to other gear. So I've got a Cisco PoE switch, which I have the APs powered off of, and then I have VLAN trunks set up back to the Ubiquity Dream Machine. Yeah. So now Ubiquity, I can have things like Ubiquity's um I, Ubiquity support 8021Q trunking. Right. So you can they understand <laughs> trunks. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that, Mark. <laughs> So now I can have a lab network, which with the, that was the other problem with Google Wi-Fi. I, it was mm -hmm. all one network, flat, basically. Like all of my VMs, all my workstations, all my TVs and the smart lights and whatever were all in one big network. And now I can actually split those out into VLANs, which is great, right? Like, I, like my inner security nerd is very happy about that, that I can now isolate these things when I need to. And on top of that, I can have separate Wi-Fi networks for everything. So like... Right. All my lights and things are on a different network. My kids can be on a separate network, and then I can apply parental filters to that network, right? So this brings me back to what I was trying to do with AdGuard, <laughs> right? Yeah. Back to the beginning. The, pro the problem I've had with that, we've talked about this on the show, the problem I've had with that is you implement some kind of IoT device coupled with the service that goes along with that, and it wants your phone to be on the same Wi-Fi network as the device to do the setup because it's using mm -hmm. multicast or whatever to I, set it up. So I use primarily Tasmoda-based devices or WLED, mm -hmm. like the LEDs I have in my office here and the one that's behind mm -hmm. me. They're all open source WLED. Um, they talk to a home assistant server. Mm -hmm. All of those things are on my IoT network. My phone can talk to the home assistant server. My phone can talk to the IoT devices. Um, I could block them the other direction. I haven't done that yet. But uh, I don't have to do anything funny where they're all on the same network. right? So I don't know mm -hmm. what, what kind of devices you're working with. But you're right. Some of them are just like that. They need to be on the same network to be able to talk to each other. But so far, I've had zero issues. I have a bunch of Roku devices for my TVs. They're all on my IoT network. My lights and stuff are on the IoT network. Um, I've had zero issues communicating between all those things. Mm, that's good. Yeah, we've talked about doing segments on during the pandemic because we were all digging into our home networks. <laughs> How do you? And it ends up getting really complicated. I mean, Tyler and I basically like discovered like, holy crap, this this is complicated. I actually we like need to get back to it. I made so my kids have scribbled all over it now. So you'll see like some my kids math homework mm -hmm. and stuff, but. Uh, buried in there, you can see this network map that I drew of my home. <laughs> so I made like yeah, dude, like legit network diagram to figure out how I wanted to set all this stuff up. Yeah, right. It gets complicated. So yes, it can yep. did absolutely get complicated. Oh, I th I think it's uh, bad. Netmask is talking about watch out for VLAN sprawl, and that he's on six. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got s five or six already. Mm-hmm. But I just I just I just moved on top of a mountain and nobody's around here, so I don't worry about it. <laughs> Good point. You've got a flat network. It's all it's all open hubs. There's not even a switch in there, right? <laughs> I just have yeah, I just have Cat Five dangling outside in case I need it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, a, a lot of this isolation and segregation are my inner nerd just having fun with it, right? I don't know that it's. I never had a problem with it the way it was. Just. In the back of my head, I knew it shouldn't be that way, which is why I did it this way when I stood up the Ubiquity. It wasn't the reason I got the Ubiquity, uh, but it it's just like one of those add-on benefits. I really like it so far. I like the configurability. I like that I don't need to have a CCNA to understand how to configure my Ubiquity stuff, although the Cisco switch that I'm using <laughs> is a little more yeah. complicated than that. 
Um, That's where I got into trouble. I got the the Cisco like small business stuff, and it's not the enterprise gear, but it's slightly different. So like yeah. figuring out what commands work on the small business stuff versus the enterprise stuff got got dicey. Yeah, this was this one's a Cisco Catalyst thirty seven something or other POE switch. Um, the college that yep. Jason and I used to work for had them deployed all over the place, and then Cisco said, "Yeah." Those, I don't know, how many switches were there? 2,000 or something? Uh, switches that you have deployed, they're all EOL. Yeah. Yep. So take them and out of service. And we said, cool. <laughs> so we did. <laughs> yeah. 3780 um, or 3790, right, is what we used to run back uh, in the day. Yeah. We took them all out of service and replaced yeah. them. But then all of mm-hmm. the, they basically all went to a reseller that was, they were re- refurbishing them and reselling them. And any of them oh, that so had it's this, probably it's the ones I bought. I bought I bought your refurbished maybe, gear and I put it in the maybe. studio. <laughs> all of the all the ones that had the slightest defect, like a single port didn't work or you know whatever, they came mm-hmm. back to us and I got one of those. So that's what's in my that's what's in my network. It's the it's the reject that the refurb fo- folks didn't want. <laughs> yeah, and that, that that gear will run forever too. Probably, um, it'll be loud. It'll to, be loud. Yeah. If I ever have to do a big network again, I'll use Ruckus. I, I, I really like the Ruckus gear. Yeah, you've I've talked heard about that, Jason. Ruckus. I haven't seen Ruckus. Yeah. Yet. But yeah, yeah the, the uh, couple. For... I have. I have like a, a client that I put a bunch of Ruckus stuff out at, and it just it just worked forever. Just never have for to like, touch it. For it's like great. prosumer grade Wi-Fi in my home, this is great. Ubiquity's been awesome so far. Yeah, Ubiquity's good. Yeah. So yeah, that's really the big thing I've going I've got going on. Um, otherwise, I've been relaxing and trying not to do too many computery things other than play video games uh, while I'm off. So that's been good. Um, Mark and I, I both to... went and saw the Trans Siberian Orchestra for the second year in a row just nice. just last week. That was awesome. That was a great great show. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's all I got going on. I've been trying to stand up websites. It's funny. I think I was telling you guys before the show, like when I got on Mastodon. And I want to be verified. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you need to own your own website and put a link to your Mastodon account on your website, which we were kind of debating the level of verification that provides. Yeah. And I realized really quickly, I'm like, I sold my business. I don't have any websites anymore. <laughs> I have. I then I realized I'm like, I have domain yeah. names that weren't part of the sale that are mine that I could stand up my own websites to be verified. And I was like, okay, that was like realization number one. And then I was like, well, what web technology would I use to backend those websites? And then I started doing Google searches and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of stuff out there to run your own website. And so I ended up on, after a lot of talking to my, my peers and Google searching, I ended up on two different platforms. So uh, one is Python Flask. And the reason for that is the podcast automation software I created was based on Python Flask because a developer early on had chosen that technology. That developer left and I had to step in at various times and be the developer. (laughs) So I learned Python Flask. And I'm like, well, if I want to keep my coding skills sharp, why don't I just go with something I know? So I'm working on a website uh, based on Python Flask. And the other one was, well, I want to run a blog 
I wasn't super excited about the flask kind of blogging. I looked at it and I was like, oh, that just seems like a lot of work and weird. Work and so hard. I'm like, what? Yeah. So I'm like, what it's out there that I don't have to. And Nate, you'll appreciate this based on the error you were getting earlier. What can I implement that doesn't need a database? Uh-huh. So there's all of these website technologies or web technologies today that let you implement a, a blog, for example, without a database back end. Mm-hmm. Um, Jekyll is one based on Ruby. Um, I found Grav. Grav, I think, is based on Python, but also uses Jinja, which is what I used a lot when I was coding in Flask to provide the front end. Um, and so Jinja is like a templating yeah. framework, typically coupled with Python, right? Yeah, I had, to, um, I had to learn Jinja for automation stuff with Ansible to get yes. one of the certifications uh, it, I hold. I, I think Jinja is pretty great. So uh, Grav was the other technology that I that I found uh, that did that. So that's kind of where I'm at now in terms of my pet projects. Hugo, someone mentioned Hugo. I saw it, and that was another recommendation that I also need to look at. As because what I found with Grav was it's a great framework, but like WordPress has plugins, and we all know about WordPress plugins mm-hmm. in terms of usability and security. Um, Grav plugins didn't seem to work all that well. Like I'd be like, oh, I want a plugin that does that, and I in- implement it, and I'm like, that just doesn't work. Like it just doesn't work at all. Uh, so Hugo is. Um, Ricardo mentioned Hugo. That's a great suggestion as well. Is something to look into. So you got a lot of options. What I found today is that how you want to implement your website, and a lot of the modern frameworks today don't require a full like MySQL or Postgres yeah. SQL backend a lighter, uh, to them. A lighter yeah, it's kind of yeah. it's lighter, easier. I think better. <clears throat> I think better security. I'm, I'm the jury's still up, but like I think better security wise. It could be. I mean, there's less services, right? right. So the, yeah, like less add, less attack surface, right? right? Yeah, right. And that there, would there, that would also, I would think, make it a lot easier to repeat to repeat deployments, which is really like the mm-hmm. name of the game today, right? You want to be able to throw it up quickly and iterate quickly, right? So if you don't and, have and a put database static, to deal with and all that stuff, it, right? Right, right. Yeah, put up they're, static they're, HTML, right? Jesse, right, they're all static. That's the that's the whole yeah. point. Like the, the, yeah. there's nothing to attack. It's just right. it's static content. Right. Mm-hmm. You write right. your content and then like some of them I, I'm not sure how these work, but I, I've seen some of them where you can, you know, it, it does store it in in a format of some sort, you know, maybe not a, a traditional database, but it has its own format that it stores the data in. And then if you change right you know, the template or whatever, it just, it rewrites all that static content again and just Correct. blows it all out there and off you go. Yeah, there was a, a Python script that was doing the markdown to HTML and publishing the site uh, the site statically, which I thought I thought was great because um, I'm, I'm okay with markdown. I think you get to a WordPress level when you have to support a user base that is of varying levels of technical proficiency, Everyone can go into WordPress and create a post and use the WYSIWYG editor within WordPress. Yeah. If you don't have that requirement, perhaps you want to go to like a markdown language that then takes your markdown, converts it to HTML, produces that that static site. And I was doing that with uh, containers. Containers is another kind of uh, fetish I have in technology. Like I love containers. <laughs> I love playing around with containers. So it's like, oh, I can just publish a container. Yeah. 
it serves a static site. I can build point, my right? container, right? Like build my container the way I want. Yeah, for uh, and publish it. For me, it's always this balance between uh, manageability, uh, simplicity, and the ability to integrate. Right. So, like Iron Sysadmin, the the website that is, uh, when I publish to things like Libsyn, it'll mm-hmm. automatically post to uh, ironsysadmin.com. So I don't have to then post. You know, when right. I put a new web or put a new. Uh, a new episode live or whatever right and that was dirt simple with wordpress because it's just yeah here's the the link off you go right and here it works now when you're doing something that's a little more home cooked that's not as easy right so you know there's yeah so it's so it's funny that you're kind of segueing into the software that we built to publish podcasts um i was listening to another podcast that was doing something similar um and we haven't i haven't been able to like be able to publish it open source or make it available to anyone else at this juncture, right? But those are kind of like my goals. But somewhere along in the Security Weekly history, I basically wanted to automate podcast publishing. Mm-hmm. And that was like my sysadmin background was I had the like the t-shirt and the mug that said, I'll replace you with a very small shell script. Mm-hmm. Like I, I take that shit to heart, right? Like I, I, I want to automate as much as I can. And so we created this software that helped automate um, podcast publishing. And as I said before, the original developer did it in Python Flask. And that eventually grew to where like all paths kind of led back to this software, which you guys got a kick out of this. So I called the software PP Works. <laughs> I've heard you talk about it before. <laughs> right? So that's not a surprise yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. So the thing was podcast post-production works, right? But your and inner twelve-year-old couldn't resist. My, my, yeah, it was really my my inner quagmire was like giggity. It's giggity. called peepee works, <laughs> and if if you ever saw some of the ASCII art that was presented, it embodied the peepee works kind of style. And I'll leave it at that. But, <laughs> so we created the software. The original intent of the software was: I have media or content, mm-hmm. I and I want media. to publish that as a podcast. Right. So here's my media. Here's some metadata about that media. Go publish it to Libsyn. Go publish it to YouTube. Go publish it to WordPress, Mm -hmm. right? And then as we we grew as a business and we started talking about the things that happen before a podcast gets created, I was like, we need, you need hosts, you need guests, you need a description, you need categories, tags, and all this other metadata. I'm like, we'll build that in. So it became a a pre- production and post-production software that's cool that it allows podcasters basic well it allows our podcast and we're working on uh there's folks i'm working with today that are like this is really cool like we should bring this out to release the market. it to the world yes you release should it to the world right <laughs> yeah so you can go the goal is you go into pp works and you say look i want to do a show i want to publish this episode and this episode is going to have these segments, and these segments are going to have these guests. It's going to have these hosts, and it's going to have this description, and it's going to have this media, and it it publishes everything. So it's the pre kind of planning, and the post, um, which was its original intent, was really just a shell script, right? That would post mm-hmm. everything to all of the destinations, right? Um, so that's the software we created. 
And during acquisition, it was identified as this intellectual property that was really, really unique, right? And even when I talk to people that have done podcasting for a long time, they're like, that's actually really unique. Um, so I was the developer on this project for um, on and off for a long time. But for a, a, about a, a year, year and a half, I was the primary developer, which gave me a unique perspective into development operations and security of a software package, uh, which is how I learned Flask and Python and all this thing. Like I took it from Python 2 to Python 3 and, and the whole thing. I'm like, that really gave me a unique insight into the day in the life of a developer, balancing bugs and features and security fixes kind of all in one. So I hope that this software someday gets more accessible uh, to folks, but it's very much its goal is to allow you to focus on creating the content and less about the operations behind it and the publishing behind it and automate all of those steps. That's pretty cool. That should totally yeah, be it's been fun. Come on, make that happen. I know. I'm pushing for it. I'm pushing for it, man. Like, it'd be fun. Nice. Also, how I got into containers because there was a, a time when I was learning containers and we had this software that allowed us to publish our podcasts that wasn't in containers. And I'm like, this is a natural progression into containers. So like one of my first container projects was take the software that we use on a daily basis in our podcast company and put it in containers. Uh, and so that that's what really allowed me to kind of cut my teeth into uh, containers. And now we talk about how would it live in a cloud native environment. And that's a whole different architectural, and those on the show and listening, right? No, that's a whole, arc, there's a, so many architectural decisions that they go into that, but it, it very much lends itself into that. So that's how I kind of got like really nerdy into containers. Cool. That sounds like some pretty cool software, pretty interesting and useful, uh, well, automation. Now redo it all in Ansible and I'll be happy. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's ultimately the technology is a tool, right, to solve a problem and accomplish a goal, right? And right. It just happened to be built yeah. in, no, you know, in Python and containers, right? You could put that in, you could go build that software and, and anything. you, you got to have the right requirements and the right goals in mind. And you, you could build it in anything that lends itself to that, so. Cool. So let's see. Sorry, I switched away. We went down a little rabbit hole switched about PPWorks. Away. That is that is a hilarious name. I'll say that. <laughs> it is. It's that there was a, a time, and I'm not sure. It's interesting because I've passed the development off to like real developers. I don't consider myself a real developer. Like I'm a hacker, and it's it's funny when real software development people look at what you. They're like, how did you? come to the conclusion to solve the problem that way <laughs> and i'm like i don't Ew. know dude i'm a it, hacker right like, it made sense it at works. the time <laughs> it's, and like it works right it works. and um you know so it, it ends up solving problems in kind of uh unique ways yeah uh, which is, and I, i've told I, you know i've it's a polite I've way had conversations it. where like i want to focus on cybersecurity, but i don't want to be a podcast software you know to, to bad net mass point like i don't want to be a podcast software kind of person right, right. so like pass but that if, off to 
developers that 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 do that. If you could get that to the point where um, it is open sourced, right? You may have a community of folks contributing to it at that point, right. which might actually benefit you, right? So. Yeah, it's it, it's one of the things that it allowed us as a company to really move fast, right? It's the software that allowed us to publish 12 hours of content a week, right? Like that was the that was the 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 challenge was how do I do a podcast every single day and publish that and produce it in an automated fashion? I'm like we need software to do that, right? That was the that's the whole kind of mantra behind Security Weekly in terms of like how we operate as a business was how do we do this in an automated fashion? And even if something took you a couple of minutes every day, when you're producing six, eight, ten shows a week, that adds up. So how do we automate that, right? And now we're looking into, like my suggestions moving forward, delve into um, AI technology. How do we AI generate the album art for every single show that we're creating? Now with chat GPT, like how do we automate the description and the categorization of every single show. I'm like, cause that's totally doable today. Just, you know, you're like, not thinking big enough. Mantra. How, how do you replace, how do you replace the hosts with chat GPT? That's a great know. point, Jason. <laughs> You've seen a lot of people have tried. You've seen that. You guys have listened to it, right? Everyone's listened to it. Like I've heard snippets on podcasts. I listened to, to your point, Jason, where they're like, what if I were to AI generate the intro to the show or the content for the show? And the general consensus is like, wow, it's actually pretty close. <laughs> Think about if you could feed however many hours of audio that I've published as a podcast as Paul Sidorian. If you fed that into a machine learning algorithm, you could recreate Paul the podcaster. Maybe even there's Paul a, the person, right? Yeah, there's a so so Tech Meme Right Home did this. Um uh uh Brian McCullough, uh I think that's what his name is. Um, he there is a technology that they they were using. So he basically took a bunch of his uh, stuff that he'd written and fed it into this, and then voice samples and had yeah. it gen- it generated voice and content for him. And it was it was it was pretty close. It was it was impressive. So Jason, I'll I'll admit, like I went back into our archives and I'm uh, pushing the team to go back into our archives and release some content that we did years ago, right? Because we're like 15 plus years into this. I'm like, we've done some really good interviews that are timeless. One of them was with uh, Marcus Random, right? Who gets a lot of, uh, it, Marcus is a great guy. I worked with him at Tenable. And one of the uh, credits to Marcus's name, even though he's like, I'm not the person that invented the firewall, but like I was there in the beginning. Awesome person. And if we were to release an episode with Marcus, I'll admit, I went to chat GPT and I was like, create me a description of a podcast with Marcus Random that talks about the history of the firewall, that involves hacking, that uses made up words that have to do with hacking and and go do that. And it was pretty close. <laughs> like, I kind of say what it spit back. I was like, if I modified that a little bit, like, I don't know that I would have come up with anything different. I think that was pretty cool. Right. Yeah, some of it's pretty scary now with 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 a lot of the tech mm. that's coming out. Yeah, yeah, ChatGPT. Yeah, ChatGPT is. Uh, yeah, I'll say interesting. <laughs> it could be scary, right? It's, right. It's going to replace yeah, I mean, us all, it, right? <laughs> I I don't know that it replaces us. It replaces certain things, but I think it also is a good starting point, right? Because I've kind of toyed with 
what if I asked ChatGPT, the next article I want to write is on this subject. Could you write me an article on this subject? How close would it be? Right. That's one of the things I want to start playing with over break. Right. Can you have it start making blogs and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And if it does, does it get me, even if it gets me, I, I, I suck at starting with a blank page. I think most of us are in that. If I gave anyone a topic in cybersecurity to go write about, Mm -hmm. starting with a blank page is, it's intimidating. Right. Right. But what if you got 50%? If I got 50%, that'd be awesome. Like, even if I got 30%, that's something I can build on and write a great article, potentially. So. We'll see. So there we go, rabbit trailing again. <laughs> chat GPT is always a rabbit hole. PP works to chat GPT. <laughs> I think it's a great, uh, but the back to the image thing, I think the image, so I've used the image, is it Dolly. Dolly, I think, is the one that Josh recommended to me. Does a great job. Because, like, my goal for people, like, in the vein of automation, right? When you're describing your content in PP Works and then uploading the actual media, the description of that content is a great job for AI. I, I could tell AI, go generate me an image for a podcast that's on this topic and talks about these things, right? That's that's all in there. It, and even your technical level doesn't need to be that high to go, I'm publishing a podcast like about this topic with these people, go generate me an image of this type. I mean, that could almost be automated. And then you've got podcast art. You don't have to have, right now we have people that actually, then they do a great job. Don't get me wrong. They do a fantastic job. Like our Hacker Trivia episode, where we went through 250 questions on Hacker Trivia, the thumbnail or the image of art for that episode, like Goose on our team did a great job of generating it. Talk I to think me, you can come pretty close, right? You can come pretty close with, with AI-generated art if you fed it the right things in an automated fashion, which is amazing to me. Definitely interesting times we're moving into. Mm. When you're having computers generate content, then you start to wonder what the people do. Maybe we'll get to that utopia where the people sit around and just look we at the content. We want to be where the people are. I was groomed early in my career um, from a coworker of mine whose name was Lori, and she told me early on, she's like, look, if you can automate your job, and document it so that other people can understand it. Your value to the company is so much higher at that point. So yeah. keep doing that. That was some of I, the best advice I think I ever got in my career. I'm, I'm reading a book now um, by a, a journalist uh, called Always Day One. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the premise is that automating everything you automate the work away so that the people yes. can continue to invent and like this Correct. is this is the whole the, the premise behind the book is this is how the the tech titans are kind of you know staying on top and continuing to stay on top is that you know they, they automate as much as they can um and let you know so that so that you don't really have people doing the grunt work anymore it's just you know figure out the problem you know invent the new thing automate it and then move on to inventing something new 
and it's just a, a constant process. And that's how you've you've gotten the Amazons and the 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 Apples and the Facebooks and you know that's how the, all these guys are staying on top now. Sorry, Nate, we're we're deviating from the script <laughs> a lot. That's fine. That's kind of how this show goes. But I guess we could rein it back in. Mark, I think it's your turn. You're playing around with... Oh, hi. So I'm trying to remember if... Was our last show the show with Jerry? Uh, Yeah. I think so. Yes, it was. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because since that time, I have actually stood up Masto Mark on my Raspberry Pi 4. I had my account on your Mastodon server. But I decided that just merely learning to use Mastodon as a user was too boring and that I I wanted to, like, run my own instance. And right around the time that I did that math, um, there was a there was a toot because, you know, I was on Mastodon Mm -hmm. from the Raspberry Pi folks saying, hey, here's an article about how to how to host Mastodon on a Raspberry Pi four. And I looked over there and there was my there was my Raspberry Pi 4 that was running my emulators. So I popped out its SD card, threw in a fresh SD card, and uh, followed the instructions that were posted. So it's finally what happened. I, what you're saying is it's, you finally turned off the, uh, the emulation box you had set up. Well, I mean, I could just... I could pop its SD card back in whenever I want to. I just remember when you when you built it, you're like, I intend to keep it around to play games on. I'm not going to just turn it off and repurpose it. Well, the funny we thing are. is, the funny <laughs> thing is, is, yeah, instead, it's that that's the station. It's become where I dock my Steam Deck when I'm at my work desk. So right. I do play games on it. It's just not on the Raspberry Pi anymore. Right. The Raspberry Pi instead has spent about a month or so being a Mastodon server. And it's pretty cool. Um, I did run into a few challenges. The instructions from the Raspberry Pi people were not perfect. It's a good thing I know Linux because I had to fill some gaps in. Uh, The biggest challenge I had was for the certs, with Let's Encrypt, the default that they want you to do is to be able to self-host a web server, and then it, it, it goes to the URL to validate. And freaking RCN, they don't want people running web servers out of their, on their home internet. Yep. They'll allow you to broadcast on any other friggin' port. Literally any other port they let you host on, but not port 80. Yep. Hmm. Um, what I ended up doing is I use a service called No IP. That That's the Uncle Mark DDNS. Yeah. Uh, domain that we you go to the Valheim server with. Mm-hmm. I finally side pulled out my wallet because I needed the next level to do the DNS where you could put text entries in for the records. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 30 bucks a year or whatever. And I created another, I created the domain name mastomark.ddns.net and I was able to validate for the, for the certs using the DNS solution. What I have not yet done and I don't know, I don't know if it'll work. Is renew the certs? Will will Let's Encrypt do that all over four forty three automatically? Because if so, great. If not, then yeah, that could be fun. But I should so over the Christmas holiday, I'll probably try to do a certs renew test before it becomes yeah, critical. I, 
I think it'll I have, do it I have a, I, over 4.43 after you've initiated the certs. That's what I'm hoping. I think it will. I have a, I have a philosophical question. I was reading my friend Jack Daniel. If you go back in not, Security Weekly history. Not right, the booze. He was, he was, not the booze. No, I guess the person. better than the person. booze. Yeah. Way better big than tall, the booze. Yeah, yeah. Big tall guy, gray beard, was saying that Mastodon is promoting the idea of silos. And I've been thinking about that this week. Is it really a silo? Or like if, Mark, in your example, you created your own Mastodon instance, you can still participate in the Fediverse. And like, how siloed are you? I don't feel siloed at all because one of the what I said is I'm not going to use a uh, relay, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to organically grow in my network. But I cheated a little bit because one of the first things I did as I went to my OP, not OP, OG profile on Nate's server and, and updated it a little to say, hey, you can also find me over here. I then mm-hmm. went and followed at least a dozen people that I was already following on mm-hmm. Underground, which is Nate's service. Yeah and, yeah. and and now what I do is I barely log into the Underground one anymore. I basically use Mastomark. And I, at this point, have enough of a feed that I feel the level of consumption is right where I want it to be. Because it's it's all about who you. Fo- if you have your own server, you can follow anyone. You can follow anyone. I, I actually followed yeah. you a little while ago. Mm-hmm. I'll, I show up as admin at Mastermark. I I'm doing mm-hmm. the worst thing possible. I'm using the administrator account as my Mastodon account on the instance. Sure, but who cares? But the, the servers are all connected to each other, and you can follow whoever. And correct. that that is what constitutes your feed. Correct. So it's not siloed in. It, the way we think I, it's it's siloed in the sense that if you look at the if you look at the local feed it's just my stuff mm-hmm. yes yeah, so i'm right. logging into feed. the desktop yes. as root um local feed is what's on your ser- the server right. that so you're the only participating sh- in so yeah. if i ever want to go and look at all the shit that just i have posted that's a great way to do it right mm-hmm. um but my 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 home timeline is the is the stuff of the people I'm directly following, and then my my uh, Fediverse timeline or whatever they call it, the one with the globe. Yeah, that's where you see like stuff that the people you follow follow or boost or you know basically the extending of the Fediverse. Mm-hmm. I have not had any problems feeling being whatever part of the community, and people have found me because. I use the hashtags. I've picked up some the, the hashtags. If I follow a hashtag mm-hmm. that goes across all the people I follow on their servers, that was where I had a, a question. Yeah. Like ha- where, hashtag where, hashtag goes across the entire Fediverse. It does not go oh, across so, the entire Fediverse. You have to yeah, have like, how does that some, work? You have to have some association with some with them somehow. No, I I, like I, it, I follow a hashtag and I'm getting I am getting feeds from people that are in other countries that I I'm that you don't not follow Jason? Server. But not on your server in folks you don't follow. Right, yeah. Mm. But maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's people that the people like so I follow Paul. He follows Nate. Nate has a hashtag 
I don't see Nate for whatever reason, but it's still but you see the hashtag? hashtags up. I don't I, think there's I don't think there's I, any what I'm saying is I don't think there's <laughs> any possible way that my little Raspberry Pi four is globally searching hashtags. Mastodon doesn't do May, that. maybe. I I, I I I can't be certain, but I'm getting a getting a lot of posts that are in another language and I finally tracked down why and it's because I follow a hashtag and I was like, well, I like the other content from the hashtag. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to Google. The foreign language stuff is a little rough because I I can't read that language. And if you follow a hashtag, does it put it in your feed? Like when you go to home, does it automatically yeah. end up in it automatically ends up in your feed, right? It it doesn't mind, yeah. Because I just started with the hash. I just started following because it was um, oh, what's his name from the Wanna Cry thing. Uh, what's his name? Marcus, Marcus Hutchins. Hutchins. Mar- Marcus yeah, Hutchins. Marcus. Yep. He's been a big proponent of uh, Mastodon, and he, he was recommending hashtags. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I got it. So let me follow these hashtags, and that should go in my home feed. So like, when I go click home in the Mastodon web interface, all my hashtags should go there. And like, how? I guess my question is like, how deep into the connected servers in the Fediverse does that go? Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just I'm getting a lot of content. Like I, I don't get me wrong. I, I want you know I'm, I'm opting in for that content, but mm. uh, there's a bunch of it coming in that's that's foreign language that I, I was like, All right. I don't want to stop following this hashtag. Yeah, but it's like, a popular yeah, it's like one, a follower, and it's followers you know, of I I thought followers was, of followers would be interesting. I thought there was an option yeah. where you could filter posts that were in a language other than the ones you told it to. You can what well, if you pick it? What you could do is if you pick the language. It will then show you only posts. Like if you pick a single language for your timeline, it will then only show posts that are in that language or other language mm-hmm. you specifically pick. Yeah. Otherwise, it shows all languages. I've, I've I had to, to do that because I had picked up a bunch of German posts because of yeah. some folk I followed, and I don't speak yeah. German, so it was a waste mm-hmm. of time. I just I'm I'm pretty sure, and again, I I need to dig deeper in this. I'm pretty sure there is n- literally no single global thing that spread across every single mastodon server it just it can't work well that bad, bad net well, bad net says hashtags are global independent of your connection yeah but so yeah. i but i think what he's saying is as long as your mastodon server is activity pub connected to other servers whatever hashtag you're searching for should show up right if, exactly you're gonna get you're that, gonna get right? it on yeah. the you're getting it on the you it, it's if I understand As, it correctly, it's it's filtering the Fediverse feed that you get. So I gotta click the Fediverse feed, right? Not the home right. feed. But you're but the yeah, instance right. you're on, depending on how mature the spider web is, it's not gonna have it like it, it the, Yes, it's, the it's server not admin have, determines. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. you're right, yep. you're right, Mark. Yeah. The server admin determines is it a uh a deny you, list you or a can, block list? There's can, a deny list can, and a block yeah. list, right? Yeah. Right. You can block you can block other instances, you can block other people, right? So so for yeah. instance, it's just, it's just block the, it's just block. It's just block. Yeah. Like I, I right. get everything unless explicitly blocked. Now right. so I, I follow I, right. I, I I'm sorry. I, I think we talked about this Go last ahead. last podcast, but Jerry's Jerry's server has yeah. been blocked by a couple of people because because he's allowing federal people onto the server, so so you, you, he's upset a bunch of anarchists, I guess you can say. Yeah, um, sure. we're not but interested in that. So so they I'm defederated okay, him. Okay. They just blocked yeah. him. I'm okay with. 
I, it's hard to have a decentralized environment yeah, without allowing absolutely. people to make their own decisions about what content right. they want to see. And that's happening right. on your server. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I, 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 I'd be interested to understand, like, I, I don't, I don't often disagree with Jack. Jack is, Jack has, <laughs> he's, he's very, he has very great wise. Insights. Yeah, no, Jack's a good yes. friend of mine. Yeah. Um, he's a great insights. And, yeah. And, and, and I miss seeing him, but um, I, I, I would love to know more about what, why he thinks that it's creating silos so that I can understand it. Cause at the face of it, I would say, no, it's not. I mean, it's, it's not creating silos yeah. anymore than I'll, say Twitter is before creating we had, silos. Before we had this conversation, Jason, I agree. I didn't have enough information to go ask Jack, like why he thought like, cause I didn't have enough information. But, so now I want to, now I want to, I, I want to reach out to Jack and well, go. Now I'm just going to, I'm going to reach out reason? to him on Mastodon and say, Paul yeah. told me that you said, right. Well, so but I you said everything was siloed and it sucks, which so, is a fair point. It's a it's a <laughs> but it's a valid question. It's a valid question. So silo sure. has become a dirty word in IT. We use it perjuratively sure. because someone stood up their own boxes or a group is not using the offered you know shared services. Yeah, and, oh, but Mark, it goes back. It, but Mark, it goes back into hacker history, which is like I think a. A stereotype, if you will, about hacker history that I've mm-hmm. kind of pseudo studied that in the early days of hacking, people acquired their own knowledge of hacking through various means, which oftentimes involved a lot of illegal activity and talking within a very small group. Other people would go along and go, oh, I want that knowledge. And the early hackers were like, no, I'm not going to just give you that knowledge for a lot of reasons. Like one, I don't know if you're going to use that knowledge for good or evil. It's the Kung Fu movie analogy that I've used in previous talks. It's the, in a Kung Fu movie, why the student wants to go train with the master and the master almost always says no initially. That's because the Kung Fu master has trained a student that has used that training for bad, for evil, right? So they're reluctant to teach the new student those same skills. And that... Early days of hacking, I think, is one of the reasons why we've created those silos. And I, I'm a firm believer in today's world, we need to break down those silos. So I get Jack's point, right? But uh, I, how Mastodon works, I think, is something we're still all kind of figuring out. And we don't, I, I, my guess is Jack doesn't want to promote the notion of creating silos because we shouldn't be in that point. We should have evolved past that point and be welcoming to people in our field. So my my response to that would be that the, the way you're describing silos to me, especially in the early hacker you history, froze. is- You guys froze for a second there. Oh, Sorry. Am Mark. I still here? Start again. You are. You froze okay. for a second. Start again. Dag. What I, would, what I would say is there's a difference between actively withholding or blocking the flow of information, which is mm-hmm. the type of silos that you've described- I will not teach you the quivering death palm. You're not ready for it. Even Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker fell. Yeah. The force is totally based on Kung Fu and samurai history. It absolutely is. Versus Mastodon and and federated resources might require work to find people, but unless Mm -hmm. an instance is actively trying to not be found – Right. The connections tend to grow and, and get organic. Now I follow George Takei, Captain Sue. Yeah. So Oh my I, god. Dude, do you know my George Takei story? No, I don't. Oh, so I have to tell this now. 
because it's one of the pivotal moments in my life. I'm out to dinner with two of the younger people that work for Security Weekly at the time in Vegas at DEF CON. We're at the Paris, the restaurant at the top of the Paris, like really swank thing. And we're not dressed for the occasion. And to get into this restaurant, I have a hack naked t-shirt on. And they're like, you need to have a, a suit jacket. And I'm like, I don't have a suit jacket. I just came from like work on the booth. And they're like, we'll give you suit jacket and pants. So three momos are sitting there in like hack naked t-shirts and these suit jackets. And we're having this fancy French dinner at the top of the Paris. And I look over to my left and I tell my two people who work for me at the time who are younger than I am. And I'm like, I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, that's George Takai. And they're like, they look me dead in the eye. And Mark, I, I, I shit you not. They're like, who's George Takai? No. <laughs> like, start. I'm like, never mind. And I'm like, I'm going to introduce. They're like, what? They're like, you're going to like go talk to him? I'm like, I don't know how many chances in my life I'm going to have to meet George Takai. Right. Was he delightful? So I go up. It was delightful. He was. And he was with his husband. Brad. Uh, what's his name? Brad. He was with Brad. And I'm like, George, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm like, but I just, I have to say, like, I'm a huge fan. And I don't want to disrupt your dinner, but, like, I would love it. He was like, it's totally fine. Like, he's like, what's your name? I'm like, I'm, I'm Paul. I'm like, I just want to have a, a picture with you, and I'll let you get back to your dinner. I, I promise. And he talked about his projects he was working on. And I have a picture of me in the restaurant supplied suit jacket with a hack naked t-shirt with me and George Takai. <laughs> it was, it awesome. was awesome. Highlight him. And he's, he is, is the nicest person in the world for letting me do that. That's awesome. <laughs> like, thank you so much. It but, was awesome. I, but, and I was like, when I followed him, he had less than 50 followers on Mastodon. So yeah. I, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't really earn me any real credibility, but I thought it was neat. But my point is, because I follow him and so many other people follow him, the way Mastodon works, that's probably helping some data flow to me. Because yes. my little server is going to see yes. stuff, right? Yes. So yes. I think you, you I, boo, if you boost posts of people that are have a lot of followers, there's a, a thing. Yeah. So so what happens is naturally, organically over time, Mastomark will learn and grow. And even though it's just a single user instance, its actual mm -hmm. network will get bigger. And I have I have had people start to interact with me. I'm not sure how they saw me because of some of my Dwarf Fortress content, but I think that's probably because of the way my the, the web is growing. But um, I'm going now I'm going to research hashtags and see if they're if they truly yes. are global. Or if they just flow fairly easy, but just the just the way the way I understand the way Activity Pub works, they somehow my server has to find out about the existence of other servers before right. it can pull content it from well. them. Now you can yeah. you can use relays, but you mentioned that you're not using. I'm relays. Not, I don't need relays at this point because again, my my feed is moving fast enough. And the other good part, and this is what I kind of like about it, even if it's a little siloed there's a clear point where i'm done like oh i've read all the new content there's the old content okay i will get on with my life and bad behavior like uh like boosting and posting like inflammatory stuff is generally not rewarded 
And right. it, it, it Well, does. there's no algorithm. The, the thing I love about Mastodon is there's no algorithm. Thanks for the and clarification, what, Bad Net Mask. Uh, what, what pissed me off about social media in my entire life was the algorithm. Right. I mean, but also very rewarding, but also very much pissed me off. Because I thought I would have great content. And the algorithm would show that to like practically no one. Yeah. And then I would have content and I was like, whatever, it's content. And the algorithm decided, oh, I want to show that to everyone. Like I have a tweet that it's a really funny joke, actually. It's a really, it's a great tweet. It's a great, it is a meme I stole from someone else. And Twitter showed that to freaking everyone. And it has a million likes, uh, a million impressions. I crossed a million impressions with it, right? But that's only because Twitter decided that that was something I wanted to show to everyone. It was basically like it was a Windows Linux thing. It was like, oh, like in Windows, like you you can't uninstall Microsoft Edge. In Linux, I can go to Linux and go, hey, I want to remove the bootloader. And it looks like, yeah, I've go seen ahead. it. It's fine. I've yep. seen it. I've seen yeah, that one. Right? Yeah. Like it was one of the most famous tweets ever. But I'm like, I've posted all this other content that was arguably yeah. sometimes not as Why good sometimes better yeah why'd you show that shit to everyone and that's one of the things that i one of the reasons that basically got me off my butt to go i'm gonna go to a new social network like mastodon is there's no algorithm like let's treat all content as fair right yeah i don't know so i had a point in there somewhere <laughs> yeah so <laughs> So it's it's been fun around on the server, and I finally Elon Elon finally crossed the line to me. I, I don't want to reopen the COVID discussion, but I have no patience for anti-vaxxers. I have no patience for people who wouldn't do the simple thing of wearing a mask because it inconvenienced them. Mm-hmm. And Elon went full anti-vax, and I'm like, "Fuck you! I'm done." And I actually deactivated my Twitter account. But Mark, to your point. I don't agree with any social network that's going to go to an extreme in either point. Like I want much like open source, a free and open internet where we can present the information and let people make their own decisions. Right. That that's what gets also gets me about the corporate, the corporate run social media networks is they seem to kind of take a, like they have a viewpoint and they promote that viewpoint. And I'm like, why don't you just let the information flow and let people make their own decisions? Don't be anti-vax or pro-vax. Give us the information. Don't filter. Don't downvote any of that information. Let us make our own decisions, right? Like there's always going to be, as we've seen in tech and in, Jason, you brought up the point of like, what's your favorite Linux distribution? Like what if we started filtering that content? We're only Ubuntu got promoted there, on the social media network, right? We a, need the, all the information to make the right yeah. decision you know, for you. There's Paul, a difference. There's a difference, that's, Paul. That, because, that's a lovely yeah, thought, Paul. Yeah. There's a million Americans dead and had certain no, Americans I, taken the pandemic more seriously, there'd be a lot fewer dead people. That That's it's why a, it's a, there's certain things bad, that are... Right. That, there's, it's a bad analogy yeah. in terms of the choice you make in a Linux distribution versus your health... And when have you're, different repercussions, and when your sure. and, and when your health decisions impact other people, that's when right. it stops being and every opinion is valid. So and, there, and, there, 
and and people are entitled to their own opinions. They're not entitled to their own scientific facts. Right, and that's that's I, I that agree, is, Mark. That right yeah. there is the problem. It's when they're opinion all you want, provided that you're not some Nazi hate speech piece of shit. Um, opinion all you want. When you're I like when people things, tell me who they are, so I know who to right. avoid. Well, so yeah, they can have but, their opinions too. Right, but but when you're stating when you're stating things as fact, and 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 trying to lead people down a path with your facts that are that have been proven conclusively to not be facts, at that point, like you're you're causing harm, and and I think that's where. I would draw the line and say, like, no, that's like you shouldn't be spouting that shit. Like, it's it's not a yeah, fact. But Jason, that is an excellent statement as to the level of difficulty that a social media network, for example, has in regulating content. Yeah. Right, like but I regulating think, content, man, is hard. Yep. I think what you would find is that on Mastodon, that stuff would vanish very quickly because people would just smash them down and it's done. Twitter, mm. Facebook, these these social medias that are that are you know very corporate, very capitalistic, their algorithms raise that to the top, even though it's bad, even though that's the content that they want to to squash because it's bad, it raises it to the top because their algorithms are designed to promote controversy. They're designed to promote yeah. something that's going to get clicks and get people to but look Jason, at it. But Jason, I I think I think Facebook has gotten away from that. And I, I don't know if you listen. I, I, Facebook, I can't again, really talk about. More, I literally don't use it. Yeah, so <laughs> I know we need a more scientific study. But I I think that um, Facebook and Zuckerberg was was genuine in not promoting negative content and not promoting controversial content right and i kind of point back to a meme that's like it, it like elon really screwed things up like worse than zuckerberg is that even possible like i saw that meme and i kind of chuckled right and it's like how do regulating content is difficult and how do you let people have the facts and what determines what a fact is and then how do you let people come to their own conclusion based on the facts yeah. like that well, i think it's it's super hard to determine you're, like what it, you're the, not it, as we all know the internet today yeah. like the internet today how do you determine what's fact and what's not like fact checking stuff has gotten so hard today it's ridiculously That's one hard. thing that all of this it, stuff, it is yeah. ridiculously hard you, you're not Look, wrong i mean I, I think i think because it's if you're talking twitter or facebook like those companies those people can make their decisions and they can do whatever content they want right like yeah that's just how it is and whereas mastodon it's 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 that way to a point where the owner of the server the, or the admin of the server can choose what sort of content they'll allow or or or, or not allow. Um, the Fediverse as a whole can, you know, or I'm sorry, individual fo- folks on the Fediverse can choose what content they want and not want. So I think the I think the the ability to moderate on something like Mastodon is vastly different than what you're going to find on, on Twitter. And look, if, if Musk wants to promote Nazis and, and all this other bullshit that he's doing, like, fine. Like, they're just getting pissed off that people are leaving because they're taking the advice that they always threw in everybody's face, yeah. which was vote with your yeah. wallet. Okay, cool. I'm out of here. Bye. But Bye. now I'm a loser because I left, right? Like, okay, sure. Yeah. But it, I'm happy It's crazy, man. Like, like, doing a podcast for as long as I have, like, I, I wish I could go back and pull content from 
me level setting, trying to level set people and be like, look, everyone doesn't trust the government. And I get it. Like Patriot Act times, if you remember that, no one trusted the government. And I was standing up going, I was standing up going like, look, I don't trust the big corporations, Amazon, Apple, Google, Facebook, Twitter. I'm like, they are controlling the information. And what's interesting is it all came back to, remember sneakers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember, remember Ben Kingsley on the on the rooftop stating it's all about the information. What we hear, what we think, what we believe is based on the information who controls that information. And, and I kind of drew the dotted line to if there's a corporation that controls the information, they're controlling what we what we hear and what we believe in. And I'm like, that could go horribly wrong. And if I'm it's like, a corporation, I, most of them are going to want to monetize it. Correct. Their motives are different, Mark, to your point. A right? government might be inept for whatever reason, but a half-decent government, for the most part, is trying to provide or you know provide services for citizens and in theory doing things that are not all about squeezing as much money out of a, of a thing as you can right yep and you add to that that everything is run by broken humans and it's amazing anything works Speaking of broken humans, I'm going to pivot to the next thing. So the <laughs> Steam Deck. Say, we lo- should probably move it along. <laughs> love the Steam. Love the Steam Deck, and I decided to do this little procedure. So I bought a 64 gigger, and the it, it runs Arch Linux. So it's got an internal 64 gig drive, and it has an SD card slot. So I have a half a terabyte SD card because that sounds beefier than 512 gig. You know, half a terabyte. <laughs> And you can install your games or your other stuff wherever you want. But even if you install your games on the SD card, uh, Proton or Wine or whatever uh, uses um, two directories, one called Comp Data and the other called Shader Cache. And this is where stuff lives for certain aspects of the games. And, the sh- and these directories, regardless of where the game is installed, lived on the root volume. And 64 gigs used to sound like a lot of friggin' space. In 2022, it's not. Funny so, like, I was no, I was noticing my root volume was, like, I would start to get nervous and jerking when it would get below three or four gigs of free space because I know what happens on Linux when the root file system fills up. It's never good. Um, never so good. there's this process you can do, and it basically involves moving the comp you delete the shader cache because the games will rebuild it. What the shader cache does is, um, it is it it basically with the graphics card it downloads pre-compiled shaders that are discovered. This is a very open source thing. When I fire up a game, it if it doesn't have a shader cache and there's none available, the first time I run the game it'll compile the shaders and then the graph the the game will perform better. It'll it won't have it won't have jitters and, and other crap like that. But shader caches are also dynamically shared with everybody. So as more and more people play the games, the shader caches end up being built. And because the Steam Deck is a known hardware target, <clears throat> you will see periodically that it'll download shader caching for games you haven't even played yet once you install the game. And then they'll perform graphically better, but they, they can take up space. 
So you delete the shader cache and you got to move comp data because if you delete comp data, you'll break game stuff. You move them to the SD card and make a sim link. Sounds easy enough, right? Well, these dummies at Valve pushed, and I use the production level version of the OS now, not, not the preview or the bleeding edge. They pushed a change that changed the mount path of the SD card to be in line with the way KDE expects it to be because for desktop mode, they use KDE. Well, if all your shit hasn't been moved around, that's fine. But if you got stuff on the SD card, well, that becomes a problem. And Steam knows where to find the games, but it doesn't know where to find the non-Steam games that are on the SD card, nor do the sim links work anymore for comp data or the shader cache. So I had to quickly fix that. Then they rolled it back, so I had to unfix it. So yeah, I love uh, unfixing it is something you have to do a lot. Because they, they decided <laughs> to do a rollback. Uh, long and short of it, um, the, Switch, the Steam Deck is not the Switch. It's a damn good thing I know Linux. Although I did do something that a normal Switch-type user would have never done anyway. Uh, love the Steam Deck, though. I, I got mine back in the springish, and I have watched it evolve just with the software patching. The hardware is beautiful, and just the changes that Valve has done with the OS level and the support games have been getting, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite pieces of technology I've bought in for in forever. Cue the... Cue the Mark, uh, Mark how, how easy or difficult is it to put like other emulators on the Steam Deck? Is that like a thing? So the way I... So there's a, there's a, uh, there's a package... Uh, a suite called MU Deck. You switch to desktop mode because it's easier to mm -hmm. deal with. You need to deal with it in desktop mode. You open up Discover, which is the Flatpak manager, because mm -hmm. Steam OS wants you to use Flatpaks for when you're installing third party stuff if possible. You search for MU Deck. Okay. Oh, there's the MU Deck Flatpak. You install it. It puts the icons on the desktop to and then you run the you run the MU Deck installer which then sets everything up for you all the bullshit that you don't want to do with oh the controllers and all that other stuff because again yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, it's like um it's like a what's the raspberry pi one retro pi uh, retro pi so it's like it than, basically puts it's better than retro pi because everybody running emu deck has a steam deck which means everybody has the same controllers and buttons gotcha so you, you end up with all the emulators pre-configured and then all you got to do is drop the ROMs in. I've got... Yeah, I was going to say, then you then you just go get ROMs that work with EmuDeck, just like you would with RetroPie, yeah, right. basically. It, yeah. They're the same ROMs. So this little... I 3D printed this little carrier. Mm -hmm. uh, and inside of this carrier, this is... Um, let's see. This is about 70,000 ROMs of Arcade and Atari and all those other games and so when nice. I want to use my Steam Deck as an emulator, I just flip, I pop the SD card that's in there, write meow, and put this one in. Oh, so I'm messaging you when I get my Steam Deck and I want to run an emulator. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Happy to help you. I, I love the deck. I couldn't be happier with it. And the only reason this, uh, yeah, I use SD cards because, again, my internal drive is small. I could, yeah. I probably have the chops to replace it with a, different NVMe, but I don't want to do the surgery. Right, right, right. Because I'd hate myself if I broke it. And then Dwarf Fortress, the game that I've played off and on for 15 years, now has the Steam mm. version with a good UI. Well, 
it's at least a UI and some automation to make it playable. Dwarf Fortress, if you've never heard of it, if you've ever played Minecraft, if you've ever played RimWorld, there, there's so many games that owe their owe their existence to concepts from Dwarf Fortress. Hmm. It's it, it's an amazing. Uh, si- it's basically a simulator simulates an entire world, and then you start with seven dwarves. I guess that number is on purpose, and you try and build mm-hmm. a mountain home. And the motto of the game is losing is fun, because the dwarves are sometimes not that bright. And then horrible mm-hmm. monsters will attack, and the stories that get generated as you're playing the game are amazing. Um, that's awesome. So that's I've been playing so much Dwarf Fortress, and if you're interested in what that looks like, Strike the Earth is my YouTube playlist where I've got uh, one of my fortresses I'm playing through. Woo! Exhale. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if you ever, if you want Steam Deck advice, if you want to talk, let me know, man. I love it. How do you know which card to pick? Um, I always, I, I'm a big fan of the Samsung cards. Um, specifically, I go with the Samsung Evos, and they have never stabbed me in the back. Hmm. And you get good performance. On that stuff. Um, I've run the same game on the internal drivers of the SD card, and I can't tell the difference. You can't tell the difference. Now, yeah, I'm nice. sure someone could benchmark and say there's a there's a 10.7 percent yeah. dip at times, and but human mark can't tell, so I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's what matters, right? You know, like, if if you compiled it yourself on your Steam Deck, you could yeah, you I'm get not, that um, extra. We found the Gen two user. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now what I do what I do what I do do <laughs> do do I guess I'm not done there's a gentleman at Red Hat who go, who goes by the handle Glorious Egg Roll and he forks Proton Valve can't ship this but he does Glorious Egg Roll uh, his own version of the compatibility layer where he compiles in some more advanced fixes and stuff so for games that are being persnickety um, I sideload in the Glorious Egg Roll Proton layer and I will use that and games that have a hard time with the stock Proton versions, Glorious Egg Roll will usually handle just fine. So nice. if you're a Linux guy, the Steam Deck rewards you in spades. I set up mm. my I set up the SSH server on it because I want to access my Steam Deck in a terminal because I should be able to. And I have little scripts I can run to pull all my screenshots down from my Steam Deck to my Linux laptop for when I want to post stuff to Mastodon. Easy. I, 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 Paul, I could see this thing being a, a, this is a red teamers dream tool because, you know, it's, it's a full on. It's been on my Christmas list. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's everything. I don't get one for Christmas. Yeah. I'm ordering one. Yeah. yeah. Hack, hack the network and play video games at the same time. I mean, you, you can't, can't get much better valve really hit it out of the park with the device they really have i've been trying to groom my kids like this is the next <sighs> nintendo switch i'm like you guys it's really need so to get much on better board than with the this. switch so yeah. much and the same game that runs dog on the switch runs great on the deck it's an eight core powerhouse with 16 gig of ram 
and the 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 video card subsystem they use is is fantastic. Wait, so Mark, what you're saying it's better than RetroPie? Like if you created a RetroPie, it's a better experience. Oh my god, yes. It the oh, thing has awesome. balls. It's got legit yeah. balls. My kids don't know they want one, but they want one. <laughs> and and I love the Nintendo Switch. Don't get me wrong. Animal oh, Crossing yeah, New Horizons got me through the pandemic. Me and my kids all played together with their own copies. Mm -hmm. But yeah, once you once you once you deck it, the Switch is like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, old friend. You just you can't mm. you can't hack it anymore. Poor little Switch. Well, right up until those games that you can't get on the deck, you know. Right. Well, and that's true. My son, my son is huge into the Fire Emblem stuff, and that tends to be Switch only. So, but you know, there's no law that says I can. Like my Switch is right here. I can pick it up and play it whenever I want. There's no law that says you have to pick one and only one. The PS5 is right. a little sad. I was playing with that a lot until the deck showed up, and the PS5 was like, Ugh. but I mean GTA Online, big TV on the PS5. That's the way I play that. Yeah, I could play it either natively on the deck or I can stream it via Chiaka. Chiaka is an open source stream package for PlayStation, right? But I'd rather play that on the big screen natively. All right, so it's, So if you had your hold on, if you had your choice, Mark, you would go Steam Deck not PS5. I love my PS5, but if 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 Hans Gruber broke into Richter Tommy Tower <laughs> and demanded that only one of them can live, I'm sorry, the PS5's taking a bullet it. to the head. Yeah, nice. I'm, the the deck is because the deck it, it's a Linux machine. It's mm. all open source. The mo the the most closed source piece of it is Steam itself, right? Mm -hmm. And I get that. But but the deck itself, the the, the Steam OS distro, it, it it they've done amazing work. The Steam client is not open source, but you know what? I'm not Richard Stallman. I don't need to be that. Player. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, so it's ten o'clock. We should probably. Oh my god! Up. And I got to drive to JFK tomorrow morning to pick up <laughs> Abigail. My daughter's flying in from Korea. So Jason, South you want to give us some one. highlights on what uh, what you got going on? <laughs> Uh, I'm remodeling the house and playing some games. Okay, move on. <laughs> I, I see Cyberpunk is finally on that list. Which runs well on the deck. <laughs> yeah, I, I finally, yeah, whatever. I, I, a lot of those games I like playing in front of the big TV, so they just put them on the Agreed. Xbox and I go. So I, I, I will mention I, I got high on life. Um, if you have not played this, if you are at, at any point a fan of Rick and Morty, you will laugh your ass off playing this game. It is hilarious. I and watched a little I clip of Rick. it. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. I just can't justify dropping 60 bucks on it at it the moment. It is, well, I it, I have it on Xbox because it's on Game Pass. So I got it for free. Um, yeah, well, there you go. Well, I pay, I pay, I pay the monthly for, for Game Pass, but whatever. I get a ton of stuff for free. Um, it is hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, it is completely irreverent. Um, if you, if you're a child, you should not be playing this game at all. Your parents mm. need to be like smacked. Um, but it, it is, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really, really well done. Um, I've run into one or two little bugs, um, in the game, which is sort of standard for every game now, but otherwise the gameplay is like incredibly smooth. Um, and the, the, 
all the mechanics are a lot of fun and it, it's really neat. Uh, it's definitely worth looking into. Um, and then, yeah, I started Cyberpunk, um, which I was going and started started playing. I got through the intro of it and then High on Life dropped and I, I'll, I'll go back to Cyberpunk after I beat High on Life because I'm, I'm almost done with it. So. Uh, other than that, it's it's uh, my, my wife is remodeling things. So uh, I, was, I was sitting in my office the other day and I heard really weird noises coming from like right outside my door. And here she started remodeling the, the, the bathroom in the basement, started by scrape like the they did a popcorn yeah, it's ceiling for the course. My house. Yeah, yep. that's, yeah. Uh, they, they did a popcorn ceiling and she doesn't like the popcorn ceiling. So she was scraping it off. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. So huh. we redid the. Short of short of replacing, uh, you know, we didn't replace the shower or the tub or the the, the vanity or anything. Um, she did repaint the entire vanity, but we've we've stripped the bathroom and redone it already in in like three days. So we're, we're getting good at this. That's my house, Jason. I don't know if that's yeah, good or bad sure. though. <laughs> Is that a bad thing, Paul? If you get good at no, it, does it happen more often? It does. It does. Damn it! And damn it! I don't I'm going to have to start screwing up a lot. My wife had me take down the mirrors and then I had to cut holes in the drywall and mount uh, these medicine cabinets and then remount the mirrors on hinges. So we had this like secret like safe behind both mirrors in the bathroom. And that was like part of all the stuff we had to do before Christmas, including building a new kitchen table. How much do you charge per hour? And will you you travel? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a, a level. There's a level at which my wife says, "Well, what if we did this?" And I said, "Well, we have a phone. We can call somebody because I'm not touching that." Yeah, my wife just goes, "No, we're we're doing this." I'm like, uh, uh, "Okay, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear." Is the magic word? Yes, it, it is. It is until until yes, dear turns into, you know, uh, hair. I've done what you asked. Well, it doesn't look anything like it's supposed to. I told you I wasn't like, any why, good at this. Why, she's like, what? Why isn't this done yet? I'm like, you do know I work in computers, right? Not construction. <laughs> right. Like you understand this, right? Exactly. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's 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 what's going on with me. We're uh, we're working on our bathroom as well, so it's fun. <laughs> all right. Well, we've gone all over the place again. It seems like we have certain guests that sometimes come on and really lead us astray, and Paul's one of them. <laughs> all my fault. All, all my fault. <laughs> nah, it's fantastic. But this has been uh, fun. It's been awesome. It's been all. Yeah, it's they're, been they're awesome, always, guys. Thank you so much. They're always exciting podcasts, though, so, you know. They are. They are. All right, so now's the point where we move along into the news. So uh, this, this is where I remember that I didn't actually open the articles up, but I'll do that while we're transitioning. So I'm going to hit the button... And then we're going to talk about the news. So this should be an interesting set of news tonight. We actually have more than normal. Yeah, Nate. Sorry, I got to drop. You have to drop. Uh, I got to let my dogs. Yeah, I got to let my dogs out. He let the dogs out. Woo, 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 woo. Paul, let the dogs out. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, so on to the news. Uh, this first article, I don't want to belabor it too long. However, given a lot of the topics we've talked about in the past, this is perfect. It's just mute. perfect. There's my mute button. Where's your mute. mute button? All right, so this comes from the New York Times. 
maybe you've heard about uh, Donald Trump and baseball cards in the past couple weeks. Uh, this is crazy. This is crazy. This like when I heard about this, I thought, "What? What on earth is he doing?" Well, th- it gets even better. Okay, so all right, so the story is that um, for whatever reason, Donald Trump has decided to release a bunch of NFTs that are essentially trading cards of him in these like fictitious. Uh, what like I. I don't even know what you'd describe like these as. Himself, he's being as he's, Superman. He's posing as, as like characters and stuff, right? Yeah. So there's like this picture of like uh, what do you want to call this guy, Trump man, of Trump's head on a Superman type character's body, and it's a trading right. card. These were selling. I think they're sold out at this point. They were selling for ninety nine bucks a piece. Of course they are. Of course they're sold out. Ninety nine bucks a piece. And, um, I guess he, like the day before made an announcement, said he was going to have this big announcement tomorrow. Right. And everyone's like, Oh, Ooh, Ooh, what's he going to announce? What's he going to announce? Right. And the announcement was these stupid NFTs. And yeah, that's redundant, stupid NFT. Yeah. And then on top of that, the money. So you would think, Oh, this is some way to get campaign money or something. No. No, it goes directly to him. It's like, just pay Donald Trump $99 for an NFT, which is essentially a fictitious piece of property, <laughs> right? Sure, there's a record somewhere that says you own this NFT, but do you really own it? We've talked about this in the past. NFTs seem like a bunch of bullshit. Um, I, I cannot understand what this is other than a money grab. It's a money grab. Um, <laughs> if you're interested in exactly what these NFTs are and how they worked and what they were comprised of and what it pointed to and all that other bullshit, uh, Rob Graham on Twitter, and I think he did it on Mastodon as well, did a complete teardown of one of the NFTs, where the wallet came from, how it got populated, what exactly that NFT quote unquote points to. Uh, turns out these NFTs are, I mean, it's as, it's Trump, so it's as cheap as it's cheap bullshit. They created a set of backgrounds. They created a set of outfits. They created a set of hats. They created a set of, uh, there's like four or five different fields. And the, the back end of the NFT, what it points to is metadata that is a JSON, uh, array of the five values of what your NFT was. So it's, the red baseball cap with the star background with the superhero outfit with the this shoes and like whatever. So that's what you bought. Congratulations on wasting $100. Congratulations. You own some JSON data. Yep. It doesn't even point to a picture. <laughs> Most of these point to a link that is the picture. This points right. to a link that is JSON data. It, it's wow. whatever. You deserve to lose your money, you idiots. So at any rate, it's ridiculous. And it doesn't go to his campaign even, which like even if you're even if you do support the man, right, you'd think, oh, yeah, I'm contributing to his campaign because I want to see him win again. God, I don't know why you'd want to see that, but whatever. Maybe maybe you're one of those people. You're not. You're contributing directly to Donald Trump. Here, have some money, Donald Trump. Light it on fire. Do whatever you do with it. 
the whole thing, I just... There are people in the political space. There's even conservatives who, like you might argue, are on the man's side, are like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> this is ridiculous, <laughs> right? And then when you go further and look at the technology behind it, you're like, this is stupid. Why on earth would anybody buy this thing? Um, and once you understand where the money's going, it's even more, it's, it's, I just, I don't get it. Really, all it's doing for anyone who understands what these are, even if you were his supporter, is further eroding his qualifications, in my mind. Whatever qualifications he had. <laughs> well. Yep. And but, there were, yeah. I think the, the top, that it was like, there were 40, 45 or 48,000 of these that were minted. Um, so, you know, congratulations on handing Trump another four and a half million dollars of money that yeah. he didn't earn and doesn't deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And someone said, um, and this, this was like a TikTok video or something that I saw. They're like, the dollar amount plus the limit per household like you had a limit of a hundred per household or something. So if you wanted to buy a hundred of them, that was your limit. Like if you wanted to buy a hundred and one, you couldn't buy another a one. A bigger idiot. Right. Per household. Right. And they were, they were claiming that the, 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 the dollar amount plus, you know, times a hundred, which would be like what, you know, 9,900, right. A hundred times 99 bucks is just below the federal limit that needs to be reported for a transfer to the uh, IRS, right? Yep. So, like, if I transfer ten thousand dollars to you, yeah, because it, that gets reported to the IRS because then it's taxable. Well, it, it's always taxable, right? If I sent you a dollar, technically that's taxable, uh, but it doesn't have to be. I don't have to report a dollar to the IRS. If I send you ten thousand dollars, that has to be reported to the IRS. Nine thousand nine hundred dollars does not have to be reported to the IRS. Coincidence? <laughs> right? Is that coincidental? Yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole thing. And, and, and <laughs> I, I, I don't know how much faith I put into it, but there's a whole thing about this yeah. having been set up entirely for money laundering as well. So, yeah. you know. Right. So the whole thing's ridiculous. Whatever. And um, I'm sorry, but if you're listening to the show and you were going to vote for this man in 2024, uh, stop listening. <laughs> like, I'm going to right there. I'm sorry. You're not going to hear any content on this show that you're going to like about this man from here on. <laughs> January 6th. Yeah. January 6th, man. Yeah, if we've devoted too much airtime. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> All right. So it's just, um, just like I, I can't I can't deal with them anymore. Our next article comes from Bleeping Computer and um, Okta just became an open source company unwittingly. So Okta, if you're Ooh. familiar with Okta. They are in uh, a cloud-based identity provider, if I understand correctly. Um, I don't know if they do any like deployment stuff, but they do identity, right? You, they do like single sign-on, as far as I understand. Uh, they are closed source. However, their source code is on GitHub, obviously in a closed repository that people cannot view. Apparently, um, that repository, or maybe one of those repositories, uh, has been breached and made public. So uh, what was the, it was like Identity Workforce or Workforce Identity System or something like that. It was one of their products. The source code for that is now out in the open. People have it, right? Uh, Okta claims no customer data was lost because obviously if it's the source code, there shouldn't be customer data in there unless you're really, really bad at writing source code. 
but the source code itself, of course, now out in the open. Um, Octa still claims that they're secure and that there's not much to worry about. But there, there could, well, we'll talk about it later, but there could be keys in that source code. So keep your eyes be. open. There could be. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that could be bad. Um, but yeah, I thought this was it just gets better and better, man. Interesting. And, um, hmm. yeah. So, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Okta is now no longer closed. <laughs> anyway, did either of you read any more about this or is this all news to you? Mark, you seemed completely I, like, who's Okta? I, no, I, I heard I, about it. I, I wasn't aware of it. What, what's interesting is that Okta was made aware of this by GitHub, not by Okta finding out on their own. GitHub contacted Okta and said, hey, there's some really weird activity in your GitHub. You might want to look at that. Hmm. Oops. Oops. Yeah. So if you use Okta, maybe you want to pay attention to this. All right. The next one is from Ars Technica. Kremlin-backed hackers targeted a large petroleum refinery in a NATO nation. Now, there's a lot of, like, not information in that title. <laughs> it's a lot of vagary there. Looks like it was, a, it was an attempted hack that just failed. Yes. Yeah. Essentially, there was an attempt, and they did not uh, break in. So, um, I don't know. I included it mainly because uh, it just basically shows that Russia's cyber game is still... Uh, I, I'm not, I don't want to say strong, active. <laughs> it didn't work. How it didn't it work. It's not strong. I mean, uh, honestly, right? Um, of all the hacking attempts that happen day to day, uh, a lot of them are not successful, right? So I can't really slight them for this one not being successful. But it does say that... Um, so, I mean, the article goes on to speculate that they're trying to broaden their... Uh, what, what did they say? Information gathering or information network. Um, so, you know, well, they're, they're, bad they're, stuff. They're attacking, they're atta because of the Ukraine thing, they're attacking NATO nations. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, now, chances are they've been attacking NATO nations all the time, but yeah. they're attributing it to the whole Ukraine war now. Somebody and, noticed now. That's what it is. No. Yeah. Yep. Basically. Yeah. Assume you're going to be attacked. Make sure you have firewalls and security measures and yeah. all that other shit. Just the fact that this was being attributed. Yeah. Excuse me, is why it's news. It is. It is. <laughs> stand up a Linux box or a Linux VM and have any sort of public oh, yeah. facing on It'll IP. be attacked in a second. Second. It's amazing. Like, yeah. <clears throat> I, I I tested this on, on those I are, think it was AWS. Yeah, th those are all automated. I mean, look, yeah. when when you're being targeted by a nation state, it's a it's a different level of attack. Yeah. Um and and yes. Make sure you have all the basics done. You're firewalling and close your ports and don't run things you don't have to and minimize, etc. But when you're being targeted, like, and I've, I've preached this for years, if you are being targeted and it is somebody who has skills at all, they're getting in, period. Nothing you can do will prevent it. They yeah. will get in one way or another. Yeah. Your job is to detect them and shut them down once they're in. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, uh, I can't remember the guy who wrote the book, but the, it's, it's not security has moved on from build a moat and pull up the drawbridge to time-based security, which is, yeah, they got in. How fast can you detect them and stop them? And turns out <laughs> a lot of people are not very good at this. So months, years, you know, nobody usually gets it within hours. 
Right. All right, next one around is oh, this one. This is the one that I was referring to earlier. I was hoping Paul would be around for this one since his comment about the uh, photos of kids. Uh, so <laughs> it comes from futurism.com from the bite. I don't know what the bite is. Anyway, um, Roomba leaks. Intimate photos by Roomba vacuums leaked online. Now, I encourage you to read the story to really get the context here. But apparently, Roomba vacuums, and these were, from what I read, it sounds like this these is, were like this is, beta. This is a very clickbaity title. Beta robots. Yeah, this these is. These were not yes. like, like production Roombas, right? Um, Roombas do not have cameras in them, period. My Roombas the do be- not. These specific well, no. beta Hold versions. All right. So these were beta. Yes. Beta Roombas the, that were right. trying to use, trying to learn via AI how to identify objects instead of you. I don't know if they still use those little yes. lighthouse things that were supposed to help prevent yeah, you from going yeah, places that, well, they weren't supposed to. A bunch to. of different ways. Yes. Well, they now yeah. they're they're trying. I don't know if this is like the first time they're trying to use these AI models, and that's why these these units exist. But basically, they have a camera on them, and the camera sees things. Uh, and then the things that it sees are being used to train it what things are so that it can do things like vacuum your room without driving down the stairs or running into right. the treadmill or whatever, right? Uh, the thing is that it's not just taking those images and feeding them back to a computer that's identifying them. It's feeding them to people, which then say, that's a treadmill. Those are stairs. This is whatever, right? Um, the yeah, turking. What's that? Mechanical Turk. Yeah, right. So apparently some of those images, um, which have been reviewed by human eyes, were of like the example it uses was one of them was like a woman sitting on the toilet. Now, I don't know if... So one, I would expect that anyone who has a beta Roomba probably had to accept some terms of service that says this thing has a camera on it. Don't do compromising things in front of the Roomba, right? So why these happened, I don't know, right? Did these people not know? Did they not realize? Were they not thinking? Was it a mistake? Whatever. Um, but the whole point is the the article raises some concerns, I think, about really any device you keep in your house that has a camera on it. There's there's a I, – I heard about this from another article that I read that yeah. was much, much more in-depth than this. OK. Um, and actually had those pictures. So they're not they're not as racy as, as they like to say they are. Um, so first of all, the Roombas were – they were beta units that were given to employees and friends of like very specific like small group of people um, that were testing out new technology. So they were all aware that these specific Roombas had cameras on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoever happened to be sitting on the toilet probably forgot there was a Roomba with a camera on it or didn't care, whatever. Um, the pictures that are that have leaked are have leaked because the the Mechanical Turk company that they're using, which is overseas, mm-hmm. um, had a private – I think it was a private Facebook group um, where they were sharing pictures of things that they Mechanical Turked, not just Roombas. Uh, it just so right. happened that, you know, because it was a Roomba, it made a really good headline as opposed right. to the myriad of other things that they were seeing with cameras that that weren't. Right. Um, so they, they were basically sharing a bunch of them and somebody got into the, the group somehow like they do and said, "Ooh, this is bad and took the pictures and, and then, you know, 
wrote an article about them. Right. It's not a widespread thing. It's not Roombas do not have cameras on them. Um, as far as I know, there's no Roombas planned to have cameras on them. Although it, it makes sense that they're moving in that direction. I can yeah. see that happening. No, right. I mean, um, if it's if happening the, with everything, if the point is to let the let the the vacuum identify an object instead of you having to mark that object, which again. I haven't used the Roomba in yeah. a decade, right? So you used to you used to have to use those little lighthouses where you'd mark where it's not yeah. supposed to go, right? I don't know if they're still doing right. that, but if if they wanted to use AI to say you don't have to do a thing, you put it in the room and turn it on, and it'll figure it out. That's better, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's it was. I mean, the images were interesting because the it was identifying like cabinets and doorways, and you know, some of it was like. You know, okay, fine. Your AI is identifying that, but that really has no use for a, like, why a do robot. You care? Like, yeah, yeah. Why do you, why do you care, care if there's a cabinet? cabinet doorway? Sure, cabinet. Who cares? Um, but it's it's basically identifying things that it can move around and whatnot. So, yeah. so, I, I, interesting article. Yeah, things are moving that way. Yes, there's cameras in your house. Um, yeah. Try not to run around naked, or be aware that if you are running around naked, eh, you might get caught on camera. Let it all hang out. All right. I think that was the last article I included. Let me look here. Yep. I got, I got the last two yeah. or three. So go. So, so <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, uh, uh, the Christmas Grinch. Um, oh. I've got two, two rather oh, oh, nasty oh. ones. Um, so the first one comes from zero day initiative. It is a, uh, vulnerability in the Linux kernel. Now, on the plus side, I saw chances are about this, but you're I not, had a chance to look you're not running this Linux kernel. Okay. Yeah, this is it's it's uh, 5.15, I think. Okay. Um, this this uh, this has gotten the golden statue for for scoring a perfect ten on the CVSS score. Okay. Um, meaning that uh, uh, you should, <laughs> if you're running this kernel, Worst you should stop immediately. Score ever. Yeah. It is a full remote code execution um, in the SMB2 tree disconnect system. Fucking SMB. Uh, yep, Samba. So uh, that, that's really kind of the only detail there really is, is, is there's a flaw in, in SMB2 tree disconnect. Uh, it's, it's a validation issue. Big surprise. Um, and it, leads to code execution in the context of the kernel. So you, you are, you are God on the kernel. Not good. So, uh, you know, I, like I said, if you're, if you're an enterprise, well, first of all, if you're an enterprise and you're running this level of kernel, what are you doing? I really want to know because I don't know of any, any distros that would be running this cutting edge of a kernel. Right. Um, but it's worth checking for and keeping an eye on. Um, just in case. So this, so the the rumblings that I saw, I think it was actually from Jerry. He was talking about like why. He was curious about what the actual issue here was, right? And he said he was having trouble finding information about it. He was having trouble finding like any major Linux vendors even talking about it, and that would probably explain why, because they probably aren't running that kernel. Like I didn't see any announcement yeah. from Red Hat, for example. Right. And that would be why we don't have that kernel included. So why would we even talk about it? Yeah, it's I mean, the disclosure was July. Um, I'm not sure when, like how far back this goes, but I suspect 
it's probably not super far. Um, so it's probably like, you know, like I said, it's it's a cutting edge thing. If, if you're running a kernel that right. bleeding edge, then it's probably an issue. But if you're running a kernel that bleeding edge, you've probably got other problems you got to worry about, too. So that's that one. Oh, then I get to be the Grinch again. Um, remember that last pass breach? From when did it when did they report this? September, maybe? August. The August is when they, they said the breach happened. I think they reported the first time in September. And then they updated it last month and they were like, okay, it was a little bit more than we thought it was, but it's still okay. It's okay, guys. It's okay. It might not be okay anymore. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. So as I understand it, um, and, and the 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 LastPass uh, blog entry actually puts a lot of detail in it, they breached a dev environment and stole some code, which, okay, fine, that happens. Um, the problem is that there were keys in that code that they were using in production. Okay. So they were apparently cloud storage access keys okay. and dual storage container decryption keys. But isn't the whole point of LastPass that they're like crazy blind encrypted? That would be the second link. And the answer is no. What do you mean? Oh no? my. That was the whole, that, I mean, that no. was, that was like the selling point. It was, it was, we can't even decrypt so, your data. So, they can't decrypt it because they don't have the the password for the master key. Right. Um, that so they can't. They're the encrypted fields. So hang on. So let me step back a bit. Okay. The the whoever did this copied a ton of backup data because of the keys that they they stole. Okay. That backup data had. Uh, company names, end user names, billing addresses, email addresses, telephone numbers, IP addresses. They also got a copy of customer vault data, the backups of the customer vault data from the encrypted storage container. Okay. Which is their bio, pri, proprietary bio, bi, blah, binary format that contains both unencrypted data, such as the actual websites that are in there. Yeah as well as the encrypted fields, as the, such as the usernames, passwords, secured notes, etc. Right. According to them, those encrypted fields remain secured and can only be decrypted with a unique encryption key derived from each user's master password right. using their architecture. Right. But, yes, LastPass doesn't know your master password, but the encryption and decryption of all data is performed on your local LastPass client. Yeah. Okay. So now thinking as an, and I, I can't, I haven't done this. I haven't seen anybody do this, but thinking as an attacker. Okay. So the LastPass client, which also runs in the browser, by the way, which means that it's written in JavaScript, mm -hmm. um, does all of the decryption on the client side, mm -hmm. which means that if I have a copy of their vault and I use that code that is available on the client side, I can jack the ripper that shit. All I got to do is yeah. throw passwords at it. Nothing's sure. going to stop me and yes. I can decrypt their vaults. Yes. Yes. But so then it comes down to, and this is really a terrible thing to be saying at this point, because this was supposed to be so secure. 
if you have a good yes, secure, it comes down to if you have a good yep. secure password, you should still be difficult to crack. Right. Or if somehow they come if up they've with a already, collision, or if they've like, already found a way to harvest those passwords, which there was, there were a number of browser side security issues that were fixed pretty quickly, if I remember correctly, with LastPass. So it is possible yeah. that there is some database somewhere of LastPass passwords, right? I I agree. But the majority of people complete. are probably fine. Yep. Yeah. I, the majority of people are probably fine. But the dude who but said not everybody. His, the dude who said his last pass right. password to password. <laughs> oh my. Right. Is in Which, trouble. <laughs> like let's let's be honest here. Like folks are going to use simple passwords because the whole idea is that you have a simple password you're not going to forget that is tied to your right. account. Right. As your master password, that password is never used online for anything. It's just to def- it's just to decrypt your stuff. Yeah. Now, me being me, so I'm safe using something stupid. I, oh, mine is ridiculous. I too, set but. I set my password vault passwords to something long, ridiculous with substitutions and spaces. Yes. I mean, it's a sentence. Yep. It's got spaces. It's got punctuation. It's got numbers and letters. Right. Like, I don't think right. someone's going to be able to rainbow table that shit. <laughs> Right, exactly. Now, I don't know how LastPass does it. As I understand it, some of the other vendors use additional information besides your password. There's like a second factor to that mm-hmm. where um, – so, for instance, the, the vendor that I use gives you like this big, long set of uh, – yeah. it, it's almost like a UUID. Yeah. And if you have not put that UUID in to whatever program you're using to decrypt it, even with your password, you literally cannot decrypt it. Because it's a combination of the two. So there's more to it than just your password. But I mean, same idea, you know, there's ultimately there's some sort of single password that can decrypt that data. Right. Um, but, you know, if it, it, at the end of the day, if you're losing, if you're using LastPass, be aware that, you know, you're probably going to start getting a lot of more spam than you usually get. Yeah, uh, it's right. It's going to be pretty targeted because yeah, it's got here, some really good information in it. Here comes the phishing campaigns. Right. And and fresh or salt water. My advice is if you are using LastPass, any site that is critical to you, banking, anything financial, health related, et cetera, that is stored in LastPass, go change your passwords. Just you should change your master password for LastPass and you should go change your your those passwords specifically, just because the data's out there. Yeah. And you know, it is possible theoretically to decrypt it. Yeah. Um, the second, the second link that I had put in there is is back from 2017. Uh, that is kind of gives you an idea of what's what's encrypted, what's not encrypted. Um, so just you know, kind of be aware of 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 all that as well if you're using it. I, by all means, if you use LastPass, continue using it. Like a password manager is better than not having a ha- password manager and yeah. using the same password for everything. There, there are limitations, and 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 there's always compromises. So, so uh, there's your Christmas Grinch for the year. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. Last pass. I mean, hopefully, folks are safe because of their strong passwords. But I think I agree with you. There's going to be folks that did not use strong passwords, and that's unfortunate. Uh, personally, I haven't used LastPass in a while. I've been using Bitwarden, 
but I do, I mean, I probably still have a database up there. I don't think I ever, I may have gone back and deleted it. I can't remember, to be honest. So I may have, I may have an old, an outdated database that people have now. <laughs> this is, this, this came off of a backup. Who knows how new the backup was. So, you know, maybe your data's in there. You yeah, can be lucky right. like that. Right, right. <laughs> so anyway. All right. So that's it for the news for tonight. Let me get back to my notes here. It's still bothering me Good that, Lord, that the website is down. I was poking around at things. So. <laughs> All right, folks, it has been a fun episode. My God, it's probably like three hours at this point. Uh, what we started almost a four. little after seven, and it's now almost Three hours 11. and 45 minutes. My God, yeah. this is going to be a nightmare to edit. Hopefully the mixer is... Oh, my God, the mixer is almost full. The recording on the mixer is almost full. <laughs> Not Someone keeps limit. plugging and unplugging some Windows device. I keep it's, hearing the, the... it's the stupid Windows Stop. laptop I have for work that Stop. just does this all day long. Stop doing the thing. Stop plugging and unplugging. We know you're doing it just I'm to not, though. Us. It's sleeping. Uh-huh. It just does this in its sleep. It's the stupidest device. And unplug the right, controller. Well, anyway, or the Take speaker. us home, Nate, because I, I have to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and I, I apparently have a yeah, website so we to fix to and a podcast edit. So, uh, right. Thank you for anyone who watched this live. There are still people in the chat. I don't know how you stuck around for this long, but thank you very much for being here. Because we're, we're whimsical and charming. Whimsical. There's your word again, man. Don't go into the rant as to why that's a word now. You can talk about I'm it next not. show. Next time. <laughs> uh, if you want to watch us live, look us up on YouTube or Twitch. Uh, we did tinker with Owncast tonight. I don't know if that's going to stick around or not, but if you're curious about it, feel free to reach out and say, yes, you should totally keep doing this. Um, if you want to find us on the socials, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on Mastodon. I've been posting stuff about the show as me instead of having a separate account, gangriff at social.underground.org. Um, I will put a link to those in the notes. Uh, otherwise, I think I'm going to cut it short. Thank you folks for watching and listening. Uh, be sure to support the show. You can find links on how to do that in the notes. Uh, and we will catch you on the next show, which we should be back to our normal schedule, I think, in January. Uh, so first and second, or second and fourth Thursday, of the month. Um, with that, I think I think that's it. You guys have any any uh, any closing thoughts before I take us out of here? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. So I was going to wax philosophical. All that on, stuff uh, to people. <laughs> all right, we're going to cut Jason off right there. <laughs> <laughs> good night, everybody. Have a good one.